Can morality and religion ever be in conflict? Did Avram do the wrong thing by the Akeda? And is Joe Biden really the president? I'm Avi Cohen. I'm Mati Cohen. And this is Jewish Thought Flow. Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode of Jewish Thought Flow. This is your host, Avi Cohen. This week's episode is sponsored by the Michigan Electoral Committee, accurately counting votes since last election. In this week's episode, we would like to speak about religion versus morality. Now, I know for a lot of people, that's a difficult question to hear because generally we assume that religion and morality are the same thing, right? Morality, we're going to define in a second, but it's generally what should or shouldn't be done. And religion generally defines what should or shouldn't be done. So what is that conversation of morality versus religion that we want to talk about today? So first, I think it's important if we defined morality. So Mati, why don't you take that away for us? You want to define morality for us? Morality is a differentiation of intentions, decisions, and actions between those that are distinguished as proper and those that are improper. Or in other words, what one should or should not do. Now, the basic question which one would ask upon hearing that is, well, who's basically distinguishing those that are proper and those that aren't? So we see different systems come into effect. Some are philosophical, some are religious, some are cultural-based, where people can basically come up with what I should and should not do, or a code or a standard upon which I'm going to be living based on. Uh, a lot of people would like to say that's synonymous with goodness or rightness. In other words, what is correct to do and what is incorrect to do. A well, question good of good and, and evil, right? Evil is somebody who's immoral. Good is somebody who's moral. And these are instinctual parts of humanity that when you hear somebody's evil, that's wrong. That's bad. We know that. When you think of somebody as good, that's code word for proper, a good person, right? The question is, what do we put in for good and bad? Which actions, which intentions, which thoughts can be placed in the good, bad, or the good versus evil, the proper versus improper categorization? It's a very tough question. I'll just give you a simple example from American society. Let's take abortion, right? The 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 uh, cessation of life for an unborn fetus. So nowadays, it's considered by the wide public to be immoral to be against abortion completely. 50 years ago, it was considered immoral and evil to be for abortion in the more widespread community. The question is, who's the immoral person? Can one say that nowadays you're immoral if you if you advocate for no abortion? Or maybe you're immoral for advocating for abortion because 50 years ago, you were not allowed to abort or it was considered evil. So that's the problem we're dealing with. What is morality outside of social norms? Meaning, is it just dependent on the time? And is that morality? Can one call somebody a good person if he's merely conforming to whatever particular ideal of the society he's in? Or is there some idea of an objective morality where regardless of the time, regardless of the geographical location, regardless of the society you're in, you are considered a moral person or an immoral person based on a specific set of actions. So there's two basic approaches to explaining morality. Uh, one is that, okay, so we have a God, right? God tells us what to do, what not to do. And that's the only way we know what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And what he says would be moral or yeah, immoral. Doesn't matter what God said to do. Doesn't matter what God said don't do. What he said do, do, is moral. What he says don't do is immoral. The other way to understand morality is that, no, there's actually... There is a way to understand through different means, through thinking about it, through seeing things, through our feelings. We're able to sense out this sort of uh, 
morality, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Albert Einstein put it very nicely. This is in Religion and Science, an article he wrote in the New York Times Magazine back in 1930. He wrote, a man's ethical behavior should be based effectually on sympathy, education, and social ties and needs. No religious basis is necessary. Man would indeed be in a poor way if he had to be restrained by fear of punishment and hopes of reward after death. In other words, and a lot of people feel this very strongly, that if you have to tell me that I'm going to be punished if I kill somebody and rewarded if I don't kill somebody, and that's my motivation for not killing somebody, then I'm a bad person. Because it doesn't really matter about reward and punishment. It doesn't matter what God says, so to speak. I know naturally that I shouldn't kill people. I know I shouldn't steal. There are certain things that I know naturally. And these would be like the basic uh, tenets of, uh, or the basic laws of Judaism, which we kind of feel out naturally is wrong and right. So maybe that's enough of a basis for morality. Well, it, it's also, it seems like the Albert, Albert, you know, in all due respect to his crazy hairstyle, but Albert seems to be conflating issues. Religion doesn't mean fear of punishment and hopes of reward after death. Religion means divine will creating morality as opposed to human intuition. But Albert Einstein seems to be arguing that a man's ethical behavior should be based effectually on sympathy, education, and social ties, meaning there's a way humans could look at the world and intuit or even logically deduce a moral system that he doesn't need a divine code to tell him to do that. So, for example, I think another way to frame his argument without getting into the reward and punishment, because I think he missed the point over there, is would be to say that I don't. if you need a god to tell you not to kill, something's off. You should be able to figure that yourself. You know what hurts. You know what hurts you. Don't do it to somebody else. You know what will ruin a society. So the basic formation of naturalistic morality that Al Einstein's talking about, where he says you don't need religion, is called consequentialism, or utilitarianism, as some people call it, which basically means that we're not talking about specific actions. Specific actions is not where the morality starts. We're looking at end goals, end goals for society. So let's take things that are universally agreed upon goods, life, liberty, happiness, right? Prosperity. Pleasure. Pleasure. All those things is what every human understands. Those are good things to strive for, right? Kindness. So those are end goals. And the question is, how do we get to a society that has those end goals? How do we create a utopian society where everybody is prosperous, prosperous, everybody is healthy, everybody is, is comfortable and has no fear of harm? How do we create that society which everybody understands to be innately good? We create it by looking at what actions will lead to that versus what actions will lead to a society that is bad, that it, does not contain the properties. I think what's what's driving this uh, consequentialism is the question, when we talk about morality, we talk about shoulds and shouldn'ts. So what's driving a should and what's driving a shouldn't? So let's say you said you want to go, you know, I, I need to go, I, I should be going to the store right now. So I ask you, well, why should you go to the store? You'll say, because I need to buy soda, because I need to buy this. Right. So if anytime you say I should do something and if somebody asks you why, you have to have an answer of because I need this. Right. There has to be some goal in order to make the should. Without without a goal, there's no should. That, at least that's the assumption here. So consequentialism says, okay, we're talking about morality. We're talking about shoulds and shouldn'ts. So in order to have a should and a shouldn't, I have to have some end goal. I should do this because of that. So what is that? That's the end goal. The end goal would be happiness, would be a pleasurable society. All these things that we just mentioned – that is what's going to be creating the shoulds and shouldn'ts of morality. So that's what Albert Einstein meant. You don't need God to understand what actions will or will not lead to these understand understood goods of society. Now again, 
it might take some time, right? It took us, let's say today we're perfectly normal, let's pretend, perfectly moral, let's pretend. It took us a, 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 a thousands of years of human civilization to come to a set of rules that will create the best side. And perhaps we could still work on it according to this idea. But all the information is already there. It just needs to be decoded by humans. What is moral? What is immoral? That which leads to a prosperous, in all the meaning of the word, society. So Alvin Einstein wasn't the only one to talk about this. There's other people who talk about it. So there's the atheistic philosopher Julian Bagani. Now, again, atheists are the ones who are really dealing with this. Why? Obviously, they don't have a God. So they can't go divine command, right? There's an easy way to, to say morality, which is God commanded. If God commanded, then that should. Why should I do it? Because God said so. But if you don't have that, you need to come up with another framework. So atheistic philosopher Julian Bagini said as follows, and I quote, There is nothing to stop atheists believing in morality, a meaning for life, a human goodness. Atheism is only intrinsically negative when it comes to belief about God. It is as capable of a positive view of other aspects of life as any other belief. Meaning, atheists can believe in morality. We want positivity in the world. We want prosperity in the world. You don't need God to pursue that. Yeah, now, I, would, I would take it a step yeah. further. Many atheists nowadays are saying that not only do you not need a God to be moral, God is actually impeding on morality in numerous cases. We see a lot of moral atrocities committed in the name of God, specifically in the name of God. Things where you wouldn't find that if there wasn't this, at least the argument would be, if there wasn't this quote-unquote God telling them to do these things, these things wouldn't be happening. You could look at different things in Islam, uh, in you know, in Christianity during the Middle Ages. I'm sure you could find cases in Judaism also where things seem to be immoral done in the sake, in the name of God. Right, where religion was overriding that inner morality, where the human wouldn't have done it because he understands killing is wrong. But when he says, oh, it's a holy war, that allows him to override his morality. And in fact, you can argue, or they would argue, that actually religion caused an immoral action because it caused me to push past an innate knowledge of right and wrong to do the wrong, to do something that is actually immoral. So Christopher Hitchens says this. Um, he was on a program called Uncommon Knowledge. Um, it's a British program on TV. And he said as follows, I think our knowledge of right and wrong is innate in us. Religion gets its morality from humans, in his view that religion was created by humans. We know that we can't get along if we permit perjury, theft, murder, all societies at all times. Socrates called it his daemon. It was an inner... <laughs> you sure it's not demon? Does it look like demon? It's Dayaman. <laughs> it was an inner voice that stopped him when he was trying to take advantage of someone. Why don't we just assume that we do have some internal compass? Yeah, sorry. Would you say that this is slightly different than consequentialism? This is kind of like, kind of similar to what we were talking about in a previous episode, that there there is some sort of, again, innate sense of morality, which goes beyond any, any form of thinking. Consequentialism is basically, okay, I'm looking at the end goal. Now what actions bring me to that? Well, this is just like... You know, if I look at murder, I know it's wrong. I don't have to explain to you why it's wrong. I don't have to explain to you that it's bad for society. I just know that it's wrong. So you could separate it, but it could be Christopher Hitchens is talking about the end goals. Because Christopher Hitchens understands that murder alone is not bad. Like killing a a murderer is not is perhaps not bad. I think he's talking about more the consequences. So we have an innate knowledge of right and wrong in terms of consequences. Everybody understands that a society where you allow theft is going to lead us to not get along, right? So that's what he said. We know that we can't get along if we permit perjury, theft, and murder. All societies at all times have you, known this. Do you think that that's where our innate moral compass comes from? Is from this kind of uh, natural sense of what's going to create 
good no, for the most people or good no, for me so, at so least. That's where, again, we can get in this later because we're not attacking yet. But I think that's a little bit where this falls apart is that people say like, oh, no, our morality comes from what works best for society. Yet nobody's actually run the analysis of what would actually work best for society. Like we, j- we, we feel it's wrong and then we posit, oh, because it's bad for society. But we have no idea. How do you know that murder would actually well, maybe, be maybe bad? That's, maybe that's what's feeding our innate sense. What, this, like, unconscious view of what will end up bad? But how would we know that? So I'm saying that would be very confused. But I I don't think he was moving too far. I think he was just saying, like, we feel what's a good result. We know what a good society looks like. We know what a kind society looks like. And morality is how to achieve that. That's a moral action, how to achieve that. These are moral end goals, right? He's putting the innate morality into the end goal, the consequence. That this is a good consequence, this is a negative consequence. Actions which lead to the good consequence is moral. Actions which lead to the negative consequence are immoral. I think that's what he was saying yeah, without it's, making it. It's us, interesting. Yeah. There, there's almost like an inverse argument uh, made by Ben Shapiro in favor of, of morality coming from religion, but also from a naturalistic perspective. So he kind of straddles both worlds. And he has like an inverse theory on this, where it's basically historical morality. Basically, he looks back at history and he says, well, we can see where the most moral, in other words, what we feel innately is moral. We can look which societies produce the most moral outcomes. And he says the Judeo-Christian uh, sense of morality, we can see that moral systems came about right after that like uh, intervention, right after we figure out about Judeo-Christian values and the, uh, you know, the telemelechim, the, the concept that every person has intrinsic value. We can look at that and say, okay, well, we had that then, and then we see the best societies coming out right after that, so that we can tie it back to that morality. But he, he's still defining um, the moral systems vis-a-vis how they worked out in consequences. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. an inverse. It's like consequentialism, but co- telling us that religion was the cause of the best consequentialism. Right, it's, it's proving religion through the consequences, as opposed to saying the consequences are producing the the uh, the morals. He's saying we can see based on the consequences, the positive consequences, that morality must be correct. Okay, so now, now that we discuss a little bit about this natural morality, um, we can bring up another question, an interesting question. Let's assume that's true. Right? Let's assume there are a prescribed set of actions that will lead to either a good or bad society at the end. And that bad or good society is the definition of morality. Now let's pretend that God comes in and tells us to do something which doesn't lead to that goal. Let's say there's a system where these actions will lead to a moral end. These actions will lead to an immoral end, such as a good or bad society, the good consequence or the bad consequence. But God comes in and says, I want you to do the bad thing, the thing that will lead to the bad consequence. So that's how we want to frame our question that we named this podcast after and we started with this podcast is what happens when religion and morality clash? What happens when God comes in and says something that directly contradicts this naturalistic morality, the consequential morality, which the thinkers seem to think that can exist without divine command. So once it can exist without divine command, you could then have a problem where what happens when divine command comes and contradicts that naturalistic morality. And this is why we chose to talk about this podcast right now, because we're just coming off Parshish Vayera. At the end of Parshish Vayera, there's the story of the Akedah. The Akedah is where Avram took his son Yitzchak and offered him as a sacrifice to God because God told him, God told him, murder your son. Now, murder would seem to fall under something which will lead to bad consequences. It seems to be an immoral action as per the definition we have provided, yet it's clearly a religious 
uh, a religious command. There's clearly a religious imperative to do it because God told Avram to do it. So what do we do with that clash? Now, I want to separate it from another question. There is another question within Torah literature of was Hashem actually intending for Avram to do the Akedah? Because the Akedah itself might contradict other Torah principles, other religious commands, and the question is, would Hashem command something he commanded in other places not to do? That's a separate question. I do not want to deal with that question. I want to deal with specifically, does the naturalistic morality offer a tension to the religious imperative, and did Avram do the right thing by listening to the religious imperative as opposed to the moral imperative as per the definitions of morality that we put in? And this is where the following three Jewish thinkers came in to give answers along that line and talk about this issue of where Jewish religion seems to go against naturalistic morality. So far, we've been presenting this uh, naturalistic morality as the atheistic approach, but it's not true. There are numerous Jewish thinkers who think along the same line. Uh, for example, Rav Lichtenstein holds that Hashem is a righteous God. He acts in a way of righteousness. Now, in order to act in a way of righteousness, you must have some idea of righteousness that God is fitting under. So Rav Lichtenstein is the Rosh Shiva. Well, he passed away, um, but he was the former Rosh Shiva of Yeshiva's Gush Etzion, um in Israel. Uh, he's a mono-Orthodox thinker. He was one of the main Talmudim. He's actually the son-in-law of Rav Soloveitchik from Yeshiva University. Um, so this quote comes from his Sefer, or his book called Leaves of Faith. Uh, so you want to read the quote, Mati, and, and then elaborate on it a little bit? Yeah. So here it is, from Leaves of Faith. Benjamin Witchcoat, the 17th century Cambridge Platonist, points out, One cannot ask, shall, then, the judge of the whole earth not do justice, unless one assumes the existence of an unlegislated justice to which, as it were, God himself is bound. So this is a quote, Avram, when he finds out that Sodom is going to get destroyed. So he says to Hashem, he says, well, you you know, you're a God of uh, of justice. How could you not do justice? Now, the very question of how can a God not do justice assumes that there's justice, and then God has to conform, so to speak, to that justice. Or it's God's role to implement this objective justice which exists outside of him uh, in the world. Right. Now, obviously, that's the naturalistic view of morality, because if whatever God said is justice, then the question can never arise, because God would be like, what do you mean, can I not do justice? I just did it. That means it's justice. Because, well, yeah, whatever I did is justice. So that's that was one quote from Elohim, but he has another quote, which I think says it a little better. Yeah, so the Jewish position is absolutely unequivocal. We indeed hold that God's will, his being, is moral and rational. In other words, there's his will, and that conforms to morality and rationale. Yeah. That he does act and will in accordance with certain standards. Again, he's acting in accordance with these other standards. By virtue of his very essence, certain things not only shall not, but cannot be willed by him. God and moral evil are simply incompatible. That's a quote from Bias Light. So Rilichnesian is saying something amazing and quite shocking, that God is almost bound to this morality, this naturalist morality. God can't do something which is evil. So yes, we as Jews hold everything that God does is moral. But not because God does it. In fact, the opposite. God does it because it is moral. Which is, it, it's a crazy thing to say, but this is fitting in line with that idea of naturalistic morality as opposed to religion. That God has to act in accordance with this naturalistic morality. There are, for example, we're going to get into this in a later podcast, but there's this idea that God has to act logically. That God is bound by the laws of logic. There's laws of logic and God has to be bound by them. Similarly saying, there's laws of morality. And God has to act out. 
according to them. Yeah, I just are you understanding Revolutionism to be saying that these laws of morality are external to God, or why can he be saying that God created a certain standard of morality, and he is bound by his own standard? And therefore, since he said, you know, murder is evil, so to destroy the entire Sodom and Gomorrah, even though there might be tzaddikim in there, would be immoral by God's own standard. So I'll, I'll tell you why I don't think he's saying that. Cause he's saying by virtue of his very essence, certain things shall not only shall not, but cannot be willed by him. Because he has defined them as evil, therefore no, but he that, cannot do it No, but it sounds anymore. like he's saying the original will had to be in accordance. Okay, what if he was, if he was saying the other no, way? No, if he was saying, well, he says God and moral evil are simply incompatible. Which moral evil? The moral evil that God has defined. So then it becomes meaningless. Then it's just God has to keep what God said, but not this idea of moral. So it sounds, again, he could be saying that. It could be, Revelation is saying that God made a system, that is morality, and then God keeps his own system. It sounds more like he's saying... So where would you say that Especially from his previous quote. Where is he saying morality comes from then? There's some naturalistic morality. There's such an idea of unlegislated justice. And where does that, is that the innate one that we mentioned before, or is that the consequentialism? Yeah, the innate to the world. Consequentialism is innate to the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, the results are this innate system. And that, if you combine it with the previous quote, I think he's for sure saying that. Shall then the judge of the whole earth not do justice unless one assumes the existence of an unlegislated justice to which, as it were, God himself is bound. Unlegislated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meaning okay. not in the Torah. Right, right, right. It's, right. it's supra Torah. That the Torah has to conform to that. So religion would be saying Hashem's role in the Torah is to guide us to this morality. Not that Hashem's role in the Torah is morality. Right. Okay. That God is just the best person to listen to if you want to reach moral end goals. So it seems like he's making that dichotomy between religion and morality. But unlike the atheists who say religion subverts natural morality, Rebbe Lichtenstein is saying religion helps us get to natural morality in the best possible way. So we see this actually extended by Rev David Hartman. Well, sorry, there's a Rev Wurzberger uh, uh, came in. He says also a similar thing. So he says, to be sure, since God is not merely the supreme power, but also a morally perfect being, his commandments must be moral. Hence, obedience to his commands is a moral requirement. As long as he is certain, so we're talking, and again, he was talking about Avram during the Kedah, and he says as follows, as long as he was certain that the command to sacrifice his son truly emanated from God, he was morally and not merely religiously obligated to abide by this divine imperative. So right, Wurzburg is saying the same thing. Hmm? A morally, God is a morally, he's not merely supreme power, he's also a morally perfect being. That means whatever he commands is going to be moral. No, that he always acts morally. As long as he was certain and not merely religious. But that means that anything that emanates from God is going to be moral. Yes, because God is a perfect moral being. Not because morality is defined by God. Okay, but in, in, in essence, there's no... There will never be an action that Hashem does that's immoral. Right, Jewish thinkers will never hold that God does anything immoral. But what they're saying is there's a thing called morality and God is so good at it. So they'll say, let's talk about the Akedah, right? They'll say, there is a tension. It does seem immoral, but trust God. God, everything God does, I know you don't see it, will fit into this naturalistic morality which exists outside of God. None of those thinkers are saying, wait a minute, the question doesn't arise because there's no such thing as morality outside of God. If God commanded it, that's the definition of morality. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it seems like they're saying, they're holding like God is perfectly moral. Any religious Jew has to believe that God is perfectly moral. But what is moral is something outside of God. Now this, as you said, was extended to a a place that I think no orthodox thinker can go, which was illustrated by David Hartman, uh, who's a, I think a reform rabbi, um, he was addressing um, uh, 
I forgot who was addressing, I think, government leaders in Israel after the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin. Right. So it's interesting. He says, I am straight with you. He's going to be honest. I have no authoritative position in the tradition to validate this. In other words, nobody actually holds this in Judaism. What validates this is my own sense of human decency. In other words, it's just what I think. It's not necessarily a Jewish position, but this is the the the, uh, the way of reform rabbis is to present their own positions as if it's a Jewish position and not just their own thoughts. I want to get away from needing validations or foundational texts in order to confirm moral intuitions. In other words, I don't need anything from God to conform to my moral intuitions. This is very similar to Christopher Hitchens. Right, except for, yeah, yeah, except for, it is actually. But what he's doing is he's taking the same argument. Because, again, the the, the more from thinkers, right, the orthodox thinkers, Rev. Lichtenstein, Rev. Wurzberger, they hold, there's a, uh, there's a, Different. There's a dichotomy between religion and morality. So if David Hartman goes, wait a minute, if there's a dichotomy between religion and morality, perhaps there are times where my sense of morality is actually more accurate than religion, and God would want me to override the Tyra. I think we'd have to hold God wants me to override the Tyra to use my human intuition. So one might ask, well, uh, David, you know, where exactly, what is the foundation of your morality? What's the source of your morality? Has it just come from your mind? He says, yes, I have no source. I don't know. It's the accumulative experience of what decent people around the world have come to understand what civilized behavior is all about. Now, if you think about it, you can you can see the fallacy in his argument immediately. To think about what decent people around the world have come to understand is incredibly, incredibly based on your society. Or even around the world, it's based on the times. If you think back to 100 years ago, what decent people around the world have come to understand as civilized, or 500 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, it's radically different than what it is today. So when exactly are you going to define morality based on the decent people around you? Was it from a thousand years ago? Is it now? Do you have to predict what it's going to be in 10 years? Again, he says, I have no source. No other source. A posik? A shach? A shach? No. I don't have to look at books to find out what a decent person is about. So he's almost so close to the atheist. Ex- ex- he actually is the atheist. I mean, he's pretty much saying that our that intuitive morality can override religion. But I just wanted to bring him in to point out that once you make that dichotomy, it is kind of fair game to say perhaps my morality actually overrides religion. Now, the Jewish thinker, the from thinkers, the Orthodox thinkers would say, wait a minute, obviously our intuition is not going to beat Hashem's knowledge and morality because God is a perfectly moral being. But they are both in agreement, meaning the atheists, this Reform rabbi, and the Orthodox rabbis that we quoted are all in agreement that there's such a thing called morality and there's such a thing called divine command, and those two things are not the same. Yeah, it's unclear. I, I'm not sure if David would be saying that, you know, if what I'm thinking is moral goes against what the Torah is saying, therefore the Torah doesn't mean that, like we find by a lot of things. You know, the Torah can't actually be forbidding gay marriage. The Torah can't actually be endorsing slavery. So it could be he is going that route, that basically they can't contradict, and therefore I'm going to reinterpret Torah, meaning he's going, the intuition of human is so strong that it overrides any source in Torah and I have to reinterpret the Pesukim in this way because that's the strongest source. The strongest source is this intuition. I think the more orthodox thinkers like Revelation would say, our human intuition is good but not great as we've seen our societies have changed the moral standards and therefore following Hashem will lead us to the most moral path. But again, not that Hashem is morality, but that Hashem leads us towards morality. Right. So to tie this up and we'll end this, pot- this episode with this because – uh, we're going to do a part two on a diff- very different view of the relationship between religion and morality. But to tie this up, I would say as follows. Let's get back to our original question. Was the Akeda immoral? So that depends who you ask. If you ask an atheist, yes, the Akeda was an abrogation of, mor- of morality. If you ask Rav David Hartman, he might also say yes. 
our morality, Avram should have said no to Hashem because his sense of decency should have told him that it overrides the religious imperative. Or maybe he had to reinterpret the religious imperative because his moral intuition was stronger than that. If you ask Rav Lichtenstein and Rav, Rav Wurzberger, they would say something very different. They would say, no, Avram's intuition might have been that it's immoral, but obviously Hashem knows best. And when Hashem told Avram, to do the Akedah, that was a perfect moral action because even though it doesn't feel like it, the act of the Akedah actually was a perfect moral act. But they still make the dichotomy and say it wasn't moral because God said so. Rather, God said so because it is moral. So I wanted to show the, the slippery slope over here, right? We start out with making this dichotomy between morality and God's will. God's will is not by definition morality. God's will conforms to morality. That's the first step. The next step you can take is you say, okay, well, if my morality, what I feel is moral, which is what God's, so to speak, conforming to, so if that doesn't match what God told me, well, either I can say that I don't understand it, which is the first step, or I can say, okay, maybe actually God does not actually mean that. Well, because if you say I don't understand it, then you lost your whole basis. Because once you say maybe my intuition doesn't work and God's intuition is really correct, then you're no longer holding on to some sort of morality. Because again, what's your consequentialism? All your consequences of your moral actions are based on this innate understanding of what's good and bad. So right. once you lose that ability and say, well, maybe Hashem can override that, then who says that that system, whoever it is, is a system in the first place? Right. And then, okay, so the next step is you say, okay, so maybe I don't understand what God's telling me to do. It's not that I understand why what God tells me to do is moral. It's I don't understand what God's telling me to do at all. The next step is... Maybe I don't have to follow what God's saying because my morality doesn't fit with that. And then the next step is God is not telling me to do anything. There is no God. Stronger, God is not great, as Christopher Hitchens wrote, but God is immoral because he's actually abrogating. Right, then God becomes right. right. Then God becomes immoral, which is really, I'd say, is more logical than the second to last step. I think it's more logical to say that God is illogical than to say that everything God's been telling me to do is not what he actually means because I don't think that it fits with my morality that I've discovered in 2020. Right, so that, that, that's a slippery slope. But we still represented this side. Again, this side is that there is a dichotomy. There are orthodox thinkers um, who do ascribe to this view that there's a dichotomy between religion and morality, and God is merely the perfect follower of that morality. And they hold that the Akeda story actually lets us know that not always is our intuition the best tool of morality. Sometimes God is the one who has to tell us what is the best moral step. Yeah, sorry, then last note. I was listening to um, a Sunday special where Ben Shapiro was talking with Sam Harris. Not during and... Seder, obviously. But... No, no, no. Yeah, no. So it was during the Ben Ismanim. He was in the bathroom, actually. In the bathroom, yeah. yeah. So Sam Harris asked Ben Shapiro, because Ben Shapiro, is a, as we mentioned in the slavery podcast, he's big on reinterpreting, again, this, this second to last step where he reinterprets what God tells us is okay, and he says, well, that doesn't act, that's only for that time, but it's not for now. So Sam Harris asked him, he said, okay, well, if you're reinterpreting Torah based on your own morality, that means that you're the one who's the moral one. So you don't need religion for morality. Right. Which, Which I, I think, think is a very strong point. I think it's a very fair question. Yeah. Because, because again, if you go the, the orthodox way, like Revelation who says, you're not going to know what that morality is. You have to follow God in order to get access to morality. Then you can say, well, that's why I need religion, because humans can't figure out morality. But if you're already in the mode of rewriting Torah based on your morality, so then throw a Torah and just ride with your morality. Obviously, the question is, what morality? The 2020 you? The 2019 you? I mean, even with on, within our short lifetime, we're very young, we've seen dramatic <laughs> shifts in morality. You can no longer, in good conscience, call a biological male male anymore. Yeah, and to tie it into the monologue, you know, pending the election, the morality could shift a lot more. 
right and, one way or the other and and if that morality shifts so was last year me wrong and do i have to reinterpret tyra again now so what what exactly is the system is unclear more on this topic you can go back and listen to the uh, podcast on slavery excellent excellent episode that phenomenal we put out. podcast it's actually the first one we put out together correct yeah, that is correct, yeah. yeah. That's where it all went downhill. Okay, so this has been part one of Religion vs. Morality. I'm Avi Cohen. I'm Matsy Cohen. And this is Jewish Thought Flow.